I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Welcome to PHL Live Flyers post game. <laughs> I am joined tonight by the one and only Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. What's up, Chuck? How's it going, Bill? Oh, you, you, going you look great. a little bit different today. It's going great. I can, <laughs> I can definitely see and hear and all of that. Uh, should the victory woo be replaced by the victory wolf? Is that what we're doing here? Do I have to do both now? That's uh, a good question. I feel like that's a... Uh, I would say probably do both. Okay. But... You can make up that, that decision for okay. yourself. You're the one who actually has to make the noises. <laughs> As always, PHLY Flyers is brought to you by our friends at Mortgage CS. More on them in a little bit. Uh, I can now take off this. Uh, <laughs> that's That was impossible. For anyone who thought I was going to do the whole show like that, I'm sorry. It, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, uh, but, that would have been a little rough. Uh, we got the victory woo. We got the victory wolf in. I, uh, I, I'm sticking to this uh, dog mask thing. Charlie... Four in a row now for the Flyers. They go 3-0 and on the road trip. Two wins without Sean Couturier and Jamie Drysdale. I posed this question to you uh, whenever the hell we last talked. Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, that was their yeah, last Saturday. game, right? Yeah, and today's I will, Monday. I have Days to, aren't uh, real. Yeah, who knows? I will have to... Uh, I'll have to ask it again. Has a rebuilding team ever won the Stanley Cup? <laughs> Uh, no, not to my knowledge. I don't right? think so. Yeah, I don't right. think so. Lot to get to about <laughs> this one. Flyers win in St. Louis to uh, close out the road trip. They close out the road trip perfect. Uh, four to two. Fun game tonight. Uh, maybe you might have had your attention split between something else going on in Philly sports. If you were paying attention to the Flyers, if you're with us here tonight, thank you very much for your uh, patronage yeah. and you were rewarded for your loyalty to the orange and black with that victory. Lots of things that we, uh, we need to talk about in this one. I want to start out with just the, the resiliency of this team. Now we've talked about the roller coaster and not so much a roller coaster, but just the ride that has been this season. You know, they start out uh, three and one, then it's, oh man, they're better than we thought. Take a little dip, little dip there. And it was, all right, this is more what we expected. Then they just are dominating. They yeah. just win, like they win like what, 12 out of 14 or something. And then of course, Christmas, right? Well, they go on the Disney on ice trip. They went to Detroit. They do the whole West coast thing. Predictably the Disney and on ice trip bad. ends poorly. Yeah. It was bad as usually is the case. And we think, all right, it's the second half of the season coming. Teams are going to start to turn it up. The Flyers have, to everyone's, even the most optimistic fan has to be like, well, they overachieved to this point. Now they're good again. It was just that little blip. They told <laughs> us that the losses were coming, and they came. Yeah. And now the wins are here again. Uh, it's going to be something I ask every show for the next, you know, whatever's left, 38 games or whatever. What is the ceiling of this team? Like, they just keep winning. I have trouble believing this team's going to miss the playoffs when they, like, usually win. Bill, I'm going to choose not to <laughs> not to inject this show with pessimism. Not tonight. What, what I will say is that I am still pessimistic, but I am not going to articulate that because I'm going to let everyone be happy because people have enough pessimism have, to deal with having watching the Eagles doing what the Eagles are doing. So I'm not going to be pessimistic. I'm just going to take the fifth. We're both sitting here in Eagles stuff. I was going to say the who, and then I was like, no. <laughs> First of all, uh, great band. But <laughs> there are band. I, we, I can't Work. sit here and pretend like I wasn't at least a little invested in the Eagles tonight. Uh, that said, we've done post games following some Phillies playoff games at the same time as some Phillies playoff games. That was not the vibe tonight. Yeah. Kind of had the game on over here on one of our other TVs. And it was like, oh, yeah, something bad happened. Well, back to the Flyers. There we go. And that's kind of <laughs> how I felt tonight. And just talk a little about this successful road trip. Like to win three on the road the way they have and 
two of them without their one C yeah. and well, they just got them. So it's like, well, they played two games with Jamie Drysdale. We can't, Oh, they did it without Drysdale, but he is at worst their second best defenseman. You know, as soon as they acquired him, it takes a little something. Is it just the makeup of this team? Is it the coaching? Like, how are they able to do this pretty regularly? I, I, I really think it's the coaching. I really <laughs> right? do. Because, like, I still look at this team, and especially when Sean Gatouri is not in the lineup, and it's like, okay, so now your centers are Morgan Frost, Scott Lawton, Ryan Paling, and a Noah Cates who hasn't played for seven weeks. Like, that is not a great hockey team. That's not even a good hockey team. I'm sorry. It's not. So to me, like, if you're still doing this without Sean Gatouri in the lineup, who I mean, I am of the opinion that Sean Gatouri is a legitimate 1C at the NHL level. I am very high on Sean Gattari. I am probably higher on Sean Gattari than a lot of Flyers fans are on Sean Gattari. Well, that's been the case since he was 18 years yeah, old. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but my point is, is that if you are able to do what you did the last two games without him, like... I am I am not willing to be like, no, I'm wrong, and Ryan Paling is actually a second-line <laughs> center on a cup contender. Like, I'm not. He's not. This is coaching. This is, a, this is a coach who has a team playing above its talent level because they are executing a system that works at the NHL level. And you probably can't survive without Sean Gattarier for a month because eventually it's going to catch up with you. But in short bursts, you can do it if you are playing sound hockey, if you are playing structured, cohesive, team-focused hockey. And clearly that's what they're doing because they're able to... I mean, they they outplayed the Jets the first half of that game on Saturday. They eventually ran out of gas and then Sam Harrison shut the door. Tonight, granted, the Blues are not, not a great team. They're probably a bad team, but the Flyers kicked the shit out of them. Yes. I mean, they were better than them from start to finish in this game. This wasn't even like this could have been a a six to two game. This was a boring game. Yeah, it was just kind of like the Flyers are dominating. We know what they miss most, and it's high end talent. That's why they don't capitalize yeah. on a lot of their chances. And I think they play a lot of artificially close games because of that. Like it's not even like they're getting goalied. It's just like yeah, they don't have yeah, high end finishers. Exactly. Your yeah. best goal scorer is Owen Tippett, who yes. Had an awesome goal tonight. Well, also had me, but but connect me, connect me. I, I have trouble like he's their best like player. Something. I don't <laughs> even know if, player. I, I don't even know if I call it a goal. Yes, he has the most goals, so he's yes. the best goal scorer. But it's like he's their best, just like spark plug. I don't know. Yes, but he is better than Tippett. But yeah. like Owen oh, Tippett has I don't know fourteen hundred shots on goals tonight. Eventually, he scores a beautiful goal to win it, and we're going to talk about him in just we'll a minute. Talk about that, but like I. They could have won this game 6 nothing. You'd be like, yeah, okay. That's about right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, they, they, they end up with 41 shots. <laughs> they had, I think, like 31 by or 33 by the end of the first period or the, by yeah. the end of the second period. We'll get to Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett had five shots on goal after one period of play. Like, the Flyers overwhelmed the Blues. And, and they overwhelmed the Blues without Sean Gatteri. And, like... It's hard for me to say that the absence of Jamie Drysdale is a big deal they because they haven't, because had, they haven't him, yeah. had him, but he's clearly he's a, a dynamic guy. player. He's a good player. Yeah. They had, now they don't. Like I'm going to include it, especially since it's good narrative to make the Flyers look better. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I will say, uh, and this is something I wanted to touch on, uh, we got a super chat question last show that asked us to acknowledge that the Jets were without. We mentioned Kyle Connor, also without Shifley. Uh, and so, okay, maybe it's not quite, but like the Jets are one of the best teams in the league. They and the won, Flyers they are won not eight straight games. Yeah. They were at really home. good. They were rested. Like I am not willing to brush aside oh, well, that loss because yeah. they didn't have Shifley. And like, like we didn't. It, to me, it was like to me the reason why I didn't even discuss it is because it didn't change the fact that the Flyers had almost everything going against them on Saturday, yeah. and they still won. Like the Flyers were in a back to back without their one C and without Drysdale, like. At worst, it's a push here with who they're yeah. missing. But I want to—I mentioned that to mention the Blues. While they are not a good team, probably a bad team, have already fired uh, have already fired their head coach Greg Berube. They haven't been horrible for the last month. They were 13, 14, and one in mid-November. They're eight, four, and one now. Eight, five, and one since then. Like they've been better. They're right around the eight seed. So it's not like or the second wild card, eight seed, whatever you want to call it. They're not like the Blue Jackets or something. They're not a horrible team. But I just wanted to point. They haven't been quite as bad. And now this isn't even where I was going to start. But we mentioned him, and he was 
every freaking where tonight. Owen Tippett. Uh, how yeah. many? What was the final count of shots the final, on goal? Final Owen Tippett I shot I think it was counter, 11 or 12. Uh, it was 10. 10. 10, 10 okay. shots on goal for Owen Tippett. Has the, uh, has the beauty of a game winner. Uh, just incredible goal. We're going to talk about the rumors with... Um, Nick Sealer and how that affects Sean Walker, et cetera, and a little bit into this show. But Owen Tippett is a RFA after this season, right. uh, acquired along with the, uh, you know, this year's first round pick from the Panthers and the G trade. Honestly, the best thing Chuck Fletcher did? Probably. Right? Yeah, like, probably. Uh, considering all the restraints, yes. G is only going to one team and he made that known. It was obvious. And you're able to come away with what, like, I, he screwed up a lot. And I spent a year opening a thesaurus to come up with different synonyms for imbecile for Chuck Fletcher. Uh, hard to hard to argue with him at success in that trade I with still Florida. Because there are still people on Twitter, on Flyers Twitter, who like whenever Owen Tippett has like a meh game, they like start saying you should trade him. And I honestly <sighs> believe, but, but here's the thing. I believe that that is all still residual because the big thing you hear is that his hockey IQ isn't good. And the thing is, is that that was the main complaint that that a lot of people had about him before he got traded. And that was what everyone who was like, the Flyers got nothing for Claude Drew. They got this guy who has no hockey IQ back for him. Like, I think all of the residual Owen Tibbet skepticism is just reflect. Like, is, is, it's a reflexive belief that anything Chuck Fletcher had his fingerprints on must be bad. And like, and fair. Like, I'm sorry if you if you're watching Owen Tippett play, like you have to acknowledge that he's not the guy you thought they were trading for. Uh, 16, he's way better. Sixteen goals, a little past the halfway point. Like, I don't know, man. That's uh, the idea of trading him. I mean, if he is to make it known. Yo, I'm hitting the market, and if you want to, if you want me to stay, I'll take eight times seven. Like, uh, all right, yeah, maybe yeah. we need to I have mean, that if, conversation. If he wants an insane contract, but yeah. like, if you can get him somewhere so, in somewhere in the like five to six mil a year range for the rest of his twenties, like, I race to do that deal. And that's, I guess, that's the question now: is like, what is the actual? What is the framework you're willing to accept with Owen Tippett? Because we touched a little bit on this on Saturday. While I want Owen Tippett here, one, it's the it's what you got for G, first round pick from Florida, notwithstanding. It's going to be like the 26th pick or something. Like, uh, it's what you got for Claude Giroux, one of the greatest flyers of all time. And he seems to be, at worst, a pretty damn good player, you know? Yeah, like, I, I mean, and my viewpoint is I don't, like... They got him for Claude Giroux. That is irrelevant to me in terms of making a decision on whether to keep him. What is relevant is that he's a darn good player, and I want him part of this. It, it's secondary to me, but I think it matters a little. Like, G is not, like, you know, the dude's my age. He ain't gonna, <laughs> it's not like he's gonna be a part of this. He would have yeah, been yeah. a part of this thing when the team's good and definitely not high-end, probably. It's fair. Uh, but it is, like, I, he's a legendary dude in this town. Yeah. Like, while I loved Kim Janssen, like him and Pavel Brendel and whatever the hell oh, else. I was wondering that was why not I, enough. I'm like, why are you bringing up Kim Yost? Yeah, like, that where, was where not, this going? But that was go, not enough for Lindros. That was yeah, not enough yeah. for Eric Lindros. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it was a nice little return and everything. But like, oh, and Tippett, uh, this seems like it could be something. He's going to be an RFA after this year. And what I'm looking at right now, I don't think you can get him for this price. Me, under seven is the goal. Uh, depending I, I, depending I would, on years. I mean, I I would be trying to get him under six. To me, a lot of this comes down to how he finishes the year. Yeah. Like, right now he has... No, he sucks for the rest what, of the year. He has... Yeah. What was that? Is, was that his 15th 16. or 16th? That was his 16th goal. He has four goals in his last five games, so he's hot. Now, if this yeah, keeps up the rest of the season and he finishes with 40, then, yeah, you're going to have to pay him a lot. If he finishes somewhere in like that, like 26 to 30 range, if this is just him playing peak Owen Tippett hockey and then he's going to dip a little bit... I don't think it's insane to think you might be able to get him for something like, you know, five, seven, five over six or seven years. And to me, like I would run to do that deal because I, and I, I said this on Twitter, I've said this on the show a bunch of times to me, Owen Tippett, look, it would be amazing if he breaks out further and becomes a yearly 40, 45, a goal a year guy. And then I'm, I will happily pay him, you know, star level money because he deserves it. But to me, I see Owen Tippett as like the ideal depth guy. And by depth guy, I don't mean like a Scott Lawton. I mean the guy who is in the tier below the true stars who you don't necessarily depend upon Owen Tippett to be great every night. 
the way that like the Flyers had to depend upon Claude Drew and Jake Voracek to be great every night because if they weren't, <laughs> they weren't winning. To me, Owen Tippett ideally is like on your second line or maybe he's on your third line, but he gets second line minutes and he isn't he, power play time bumps. You him don't, up, whatever you don't have to have him be great every night, but if he's great four out of 10 games and he single-handedly wins you two of them, like, and he's doing that behind Mafia Mitchkoff, Sean Gauthier, Travis Konechny, some other guy they get in trade or free agency or via the draft, who's also real good. Like, to me, that's his ideal spot on a contender. And if you can get him for, like, under six, I think he's getting paid like that kind of guy. And to me, that's perfect. Uh, that's my—I'm using this comparable because I do think, ultimately, Tippett's probably going to finish— Around where he did last year, that 27 goal mark. Maybe he stays hot. And we'll gets see. The, I mean, again, anything. Maybe just, he's just about he's, to have the monster second half that is very, going to drive it's, his numbers. It's very up. well possible. He's also the streaky guy. We said he's hot right now, so we're hot on him. Yeah, of course. I'm looking at a comparable Travis Konechny deal. Uh, he signed following his. He was an RFA. He signed following a year in which. He went 24 goals, 49 points. The season prior, he went 24 goals, 47 points. So, like, I'm looking at Tippett kind of finishing. All right, he did what he did last year overall, like, in total production. He got Konechny at six years and five and a half million. I am sprinting yeah. to sign Owen Tippett oh, to that oh, deal. I totally agree with that. It'll be a little bit different because... There's a couple like it's not the cleanest comparison. I I don't it's I don't disagree that, but like closest comparison you, I could make on this. Team. You have the fact that number one, and this is important for contracts. I, I think a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't realize that this is actually an important factor. Cap percentage, not even that. Oh. I will get to that. Okay. What I'm saying is that Konechny was productive immediately upon joining an NHL team and has better career numbers when he went into that negotiation than Owen Tippett does because Owen Tippett was kind of in limbo for the first few years. There's a reason why the Flyers got him. It's because Florida didn't have a spot for him because he was bouncing. You know, Konechny hit his negotiation with better career stats to be able to pound the table and say, I deserve more. So I think Tippett won't have that leverage. However... You also have to account for what you said, which is the cap has gone up. So cap percentage. So like even if if the equivalent, I can't do this math in my head right now because I'd have to actually figure out what the cap was then versus what the cap is now. But like giving Owen Tippett the Travis Konechny deal would not be giving him $5.5 million a year, but probably be giving him something a little over six, 6. because of the percentage. I would have to work that out to know the exact, but like know that giving him the same percentage of the cap ceiling that Konechny got is not just going to be 5.5. It's going to be more than 5.5 because back then the cap ceiling was maybe 79.5 mil. And then this summer it's going to be like close to 90. Nah, well this summer it'll be like, it's only going up four, four and a half or something. 87, something like that. So not enormous, but higher than it was when Konechny signed that deal. And you also have to account for like, it's going to continue to go up. We're told. We're told. Yeah, like, at least until 26, I think, when the uh, CBA runs out. So we'll it's going. We'll, we'll see. see. It'll probably be back down to 75 in like 10 years. Uh, but no, I I am very much looking forward to seeing how this Tippet thing plays out. Uh, I, I want to talk about. I told you Nick Sealer in a little bit. We're hearing the rumblings that they want to keep him. The, right. Nick Sealer is a dude that they are going to want to re-sign. We're not really hearing that about Owen Tippett. Now, difference being UFA, RFA. Right. They, they have to make a decision they on Sealer. They have to make a decision on Sealer, trade yeah. him or keep it's him. It's one of those like deadline spur yeah. action. If you don't trade him at the deadline, then you're either losing him for nothing or you're re-signing him. Whereas with Tippett, he's an RFA, so yeah. you don't have to sign him immediately. So I think that's the big thing. But I will acknowledge that it is interesting that we have not heard any... And honestly, it very well could be Tippett's camp too. Like, look... If Owen Tippett has a great second half, he is going to be able to ask for a lot more than the pace he was on in the first half when it looked like he was going to finish with, you know, 28, 29 goals. If he finishes with 38 goals, suddenly he can ask to be in an entirely different pay bracket. And that gets me to, I guess, that that conversation we had a little on Saturday just of how many middle-class guys can you afford? That's fair. You have Farabee. You have Konechny for... 
what next season next season next yeah. season at five and a half yep. obviously you're gonna have to pay him Couturier, if you, you want to keep connected you're gonna have to pay him like a high-end player Couturier more in the high end the middle class but seven seven five yeah but even like it's not eight or nine it's not yeah and the thing with Couturier is if and we'll see how this plays out with you know with his health and how he ages but like in three or four more years, 7.75 is not going to look daunting. No. Because, like, guys are going to be getting 13, 14 mil. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm trying to give Patterson 14 right now. <laughs> I'm trying to give him 12 and a half, 13. But, you know, yeah. uh, whatever it's going to cost, I want him. Yeah. No, but, like, Sanheim, 6.25. Obviously, the heart situation, that's kind of the... Uh, like monkey wrench yeah, and all the, of the this. elephant in the room. He's going to get a yeah. big raise though. If they do end up keeping him cam Atkinson, you know, maybe they're able to buy him out, trade him, whatever, but he's making money. It's just like, it's a weird balancing act that they still have to pull off. Yeah. So I, I really want to keep Owen Tippett. And since he's under team control, you'd think maybe they can work something out. Worst case scenario goes to arbitration or something. Uh, but I'm looking forward to uh to see and how this one plays out well, i really really hope they can keep them what i just i mean i don't long term I, I don't think it's it's even a concern if they're going to keep them like aside from a few scattered voices on twitter being like they should trade owen tippet the flyers are gonna re-sign owen tippet oh. to, to me the concern is more like i hope they can get him on a good deal in 24 25 he's gonna be a flyer yeah i'm thinking more of like the Mitchkov team should have Owen Tippett because the idea of Mitchkov faking Michigan, pulling it in, finding yeah. Tippett across the slot for a slam dunk is uh, real appealing it's to exciting. me. It's real it is, appealing It is to absolutely me. exciting. I think, too, the reason why I'm excited about – I wouldn't say I'm excited about the contract because he's going to get a raise. He deserves a sure. raise. But – the, my big fear with signing guys to long-term deals is always the age they factor. They plateau. It's the age factor. It's the fact that, like, oh, God. Like, that's always been my fear with Konechny, where Konechny right now is 26. When his contract kicks in. Yeah, he's 26. But, like, he's when— like 28, 29 he's, I, I believe mind. he turns 27 in March. I think he's a March birthday. So when his, new, when his next contract starts, he will be 28. I worry about signing him to a seven, eight-year deal because that goes into his mid-30s when guys usually decline. With Tippett, you could sign into a six, seven year deal and you don't really have to worry too much about the decline because that only takes him until he's like 31. Like, that's my fear with Hart, too, where number one, he's a goalie. They break down. Number two, he's on a little bit on the older side. Tippett to me is a guy where he's the perfect age to give him a long term deal because you're basically just paying him through his 20s. You don't have to, you, you obviously always have to worry a little bit about the aging curve. But when you're paying a guy for his age, like 25, 26, 27, 28, 29 years, like you expect he's going to be pretty darn good throughout that entire time. So I, I don't worry about the aging curve with Owen Tippett the same way I worry about the aging curve with committing long-term to Carter Hart and Travis Connect. And I just like, maybe it's just my bias. Maybe I've just been a Flyers fan too long. And I love Travis Connect. Like I want him here. I, I came into the season saying they have to trade him. I no longer feel that way. Um, I look at the two of them and now they're using the same stick. Apparently, apparently. But <laughs> I look at the two of them and go, who's going to break down first. Probably the little guy whose entire game is energy. It's fair, but I mean, look at Brad Marchant. I mean, granted, he's probably like a Hall of Famer, but still, like, he's a small guy who plays and that also, style, and he's never broken down. He's also, like, uh, thicker is, like, I used to say Braden Shen has the thick trunk. I see that more. <laughs> I see that, uh, whatever. I, I just, that's the way I feel. But the the idea of keeping of keeping Owen Tippett real appealing to me. You yeah. know what else is appealing what to me? What is appealing to you? Bill? It's Bagels and Company, baby. Brooklyn-style bagels made right here with Philly love. They have huge bagels. Absolutely freaking, you know, like this big. <laughs> Gigantic bagels. <laughs> They're large. Uh, the biggest bagels in Philly and a large variety. Not only are they big, there's a ton of them. 15 to 20 different ch types to choose from. Seasonal bagels. And when you have that many bagels, you need a ton of cream cheeses. You need the toppings. It's all about the toppings, man. 30 different flavors of cream cheeses and schmears. And they have uh, all different you know, fun varieties. Like, yeah, you have your regular cream cheese, all that sort of different stuff. But you want maybe, I mean, 
They have an Eagles one, but uh, maybe they have an orange one. Yeah, I, Bagels I, and Co., if I, you're I, listening, I, I am sure. get on the orange cream cheese. I, I mean, the Eagles are about six minutes away from their season being over. Yeah. Bagels and Company is going to have to pivot like the rest of the city is going to have to pivot to the Flyers. And it's, I guess the Sixers, they're good, too. Yeah, apparently they're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always forget about them. I mean, you know? well, we, it's really hard to cover the Sixers and the Flyers at the same time when you are your job is watching a team that plays its games on a lot of the same nights as the other That's, team. Today, perfect day they should both play like one in the afternoon one at night anyway uh back to bagels and company Uh, listen tons of bagels huge bagels lots of different cream cheese varieties but the most important thing affordable you get a lot of food for cheap and who doesn't need that man so for the best brooklyn style bagels made right here in philly head to the bagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest bagels and company near you that's the bagelsandco.com slash store dash locator uh just one more thing on tippet before we move on yeah we got it we got a super chat oh we have a super chat chat. from Corey. uh he says do you think the flyers should make big offer to sam reinhardt in the off season okay i guess i'll take this from a few different avenues number one do not expect that to happen i do not think the flyers and danny briere are in the mode yet of going and offering 11 million dollars to a big time free agent i don't think like there is still part of this i know everyone's very excited i know that it's like they're gonna go to the playoffs this team's great the flyers are still in a rebuild they are still thinking about team building as if they're in a rebuild there's a reason why as we're going to talk about in a little bit why i still think they're going to trade sean walker at the deadline like they are not going to go out and offer Sam Reinhardt or anyone, seven years, 12 mil a year. It's just not going to happen. Now, should they? He'll play next season at 29. He's got 31 goals already. His career high is 33. Uh, 16 power play goals, which is his career high the previous two years. So he's already there having a career year at the I, right time. I, I think that is why I wouldn't is because this strikes me as someone where you're paying him for a career year He's a good player. Look, I wanted the Flyers to trade for Sam Reinert instead of trading for Rastus Ristolainen. Like, that was what I wanted them to do that offseason. And instead, they're like, nah, we'll give up the first round pick for Risto because he's big and he hits. So I like this player. He's a good player. I think you would be overpaying him based on his best year, a year that I would not necessarily expect him to replicate and add in the age factor, no, I would not go for him. That's why personally. I'm much more inclined to try to target some offer sheet RFAs a little younger. Uh, but no, um, like, do you think the timeline of a guy like that, if they are to get to that point and have sufficient cap space, would be Mitchkov here or even maybe a year prior? So he's here when Mitchkov arrives. Like, I could say in it. that yeah. time, like two to three years rather than right now when you're still so up in the air let me put it this way i think like let's say this year continues to go the way it's going they they make the playoffs as a bubble team you know they're they're one of the the wild cards or whatever and you know they they put a scare into the first round team or maybe they went around and then lose the hurricanes or something you know or the rangers or whatever in round two i think the flyers would look at it as like this is gravy we're ahead of schedule, but we're not going to go crazy in free agency. Then, if next year they take a further step, then I think it's off to the races time. Then it's all right. Now we're n- n- now we're in the free agent world, and we're like, all right, we're gonna go for when we might make that ad. I don't think I. It would be very difficult for me to envision a scenario beyond the Flyers going on a miraculous cup run and winning it all and being like the team of destiny where they then go out this summer and go for a big ticket free agent. I don't think that is in the cards. Just now, since you mentioned the Rangers real quick, uh, now the Rangers have two games in hand. The Flyers have played 44. The Rangers have played 42. Flyers are two points back. Just saying. I mean, Metro Division Bill, title Bill, is it within Bill, reach. I told you I am not going to be pessimistic I'm, on the show. Stop, Charlie. Stop throwing am, crazy things at me to try to bait me into saying, into saying that I'm pessimistic. I am absolutely baiting you. Yeah, I'm not going to say I'm giving it. you the opportunity. No, I'm not going to say it because to, I haven't changed my mind. <laughs> I'm giving you the opportunity right now, Charlie. Get on the bandwagon before it, it's a bandwagon. That's all. Eagle season ended in about three minutes. It's time. Now's the time. Whole city's going to be on board in the morning. Okay. All right. Uh, no, I like, listen. Okay. <laughs> Do I think the Flyers are going to win the Metro? I don't. I'm just acknowledging 
that mathematically it is within reach. It is within reach. And you are the mathematician. Yes. They, you went they, to school for like, they, I think, applied science and mathematics. I sure did it. No, I don't think Not that's even true a little either. bit. No. Not even close. Okay. <laughs> uh, Noah Cates returns tonight. That's where I'm going with this next. Yes. Noah Cates is back. I think it was 21 games he missed. Uh, the last time he played, interestingly enough, was the 1-0 uh, shootout win over the Islanders, which was our watch party, and returns for the Eagles watch party. So yeah. a little continuity there just yeah. for things just I think about. Just closing the loop. You yeah. Know. yeah. For things I think about. Uh, what did you think of uh, Noah Cates tonight? I didn't think he – I thought he had some energy – Especially in the first two periods, yeah, I, I thought he which had a, was to be expected. I thought he had a really good first period. Yeah, I thought he was noticeable. I thought he was seeing the ice well. I thought he was quick, which isn't usually a word I would use to describe no. Noah Cates' game. I just think he was running on adrenaline. He was probably excited. He's missed a lot of first time. Game back, yeah. And not only that, he had a rough start to the season. I think there is probably part of him really wants to make up for lost time. You know, maybe he felt like he was finally starting to maybe get get into something of a rhythm. He had that one the game where he got hurt. John Tortorella said on multiple occasions, they put him at wing and they asked for more offense out of him in that game. And Tortorella said like, that was his best game in weeks. And then the poor kid gets And then he hurt. breaks his foot. So I think there probably was an element of trying to make up for lost time. First period, he had a lot of jump. He's missed seven weeks. So probably he wore down a little bit because he's missed seven weeks and he's got, him, he got, he's got to get himself back into, you know, legitimate hockey shape, you know, game shape. But I liked what I saw from him in the first period. I'm happy that he's back. It will be very interesting to see how this plays out when Couturier can come back because as we've talked about over the last couple shows, there is a bit of a lineup logjam at the moment. They were able tonight to go back to 12-6. and six. When Sean Couturier comes back in the lineup, what will they do? Presumably, Jamie Drysdale will get over this illness sometime soon. Suddenly, you have too many players for lineup spots. In the here and now, Noah Cates, I thought, had a perfectly fine return game. He did not look out of place. He had a real good first period to my eyes, and I want him in the lineup every night. I wonder how they are going to accommodate that when Couturier and Drysdale are back and Cates is still here. <sighs> that like leads perfectly into a conversation I want to have about Bobby Brink, but I feel like it's too early in the show to be negative. Not negative, but... No one wants to see Bobby Brink sent down. Right. Right? No, I don't. But we I, started that would this, be not fun. No, it would be not fun. But yeah. we started this conversation on Saturday. 12.31 ice time tonight. Uh, not a ton, guys. Played less than him. Yeah, Delorier, it, was the, it was Delorier and Case Delorier, who was coming back from a seven-week yeah. absence. <sighs> one shot on goal, no points, no hits. 12.31 on ice. Bobby Brink is... I mean, he played over 10. Yeah. And that hasn't been the case a lot lately, but True. he's not exactly got the coach's confidence right now. Still hasn't scored a point in 2024. Yeah, that's six or seven straight without a point for him. Do you do you think that's the easiest solve, at least until like, all right, we figured all this out. Send him down at least until the deadline when maybe a couple guys get moved and then he comes back up. Maybe I, someone else comes up. I mean, maybe, but I, I don't know what forwards they're going to move. Like, maybe you send him down until guys get hurt because, hurt. because injuries yeah. happen. I don't know. I, I don't want to talk about a Bobby Brink okay. devotion tonight. I, we talked about it on Fair Saturday, enough. and it just it's too negative. I want this to be a positive show. I agree. There's a reason why I'm like, why do you keep setting me up to express pessimism? I don't I, want to express pessimism. I don't know if this is I pessimism. Don't want to. This isn't so much pessimism as just a possible solve to a sure. problem. And it's just it's a numbers crunch right I now. I mean, to me, the look, my preferred solution to this problem, at least to the forward problem, is to sit Delorier. That is my preferred solution. It's most people's preferred solution. <laughs> Just However, it. we know that that probably isn't going to be at least maybe it's maybe it becomes like a stall Zamula situation yeah. where you're rotating them. It's not an every night. Yeah, thing, he's not an every night guy anymore, but maybe, I don't think, I don't think he's just going to get parked in the press box. I don't uh, even, I would even be if his play probably warrants it. I would be surprised by that. All right, Charlie, you have, you have uh, balked at several of my, <laughs> <laughs> several of my topic uh, ideas. So I guess it's probably time to get to the big story, uh, off-ice story. Okay. 
And that's the Nick Sealer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, were, so, to, so to give some background here, basically this all came about because Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts. And look, Elliot Friedman is the premier insider in the NHL today. So when he says something, it immediately becomes a conversation for the next week. Like that's just the way it is. And Elliot Friedman said today on 32 Thoughts that he has heard from other teams, not from the Flyers, not from Nick Sealer's camp, but from other teams that – when they have asked about Nick Sealer, the Flyers have told them, we want to re-sign him. So, like, don't necessarily expect that he's going to be available at the deadline. You never know, but their intention is to try and re-sign Nick Sealer, which is interesting because Nick Sealer is obviously a pending unrestricted free agent. He is a rental with a very cheap cap hit who a lot of people have looked at for a long time as someone who they are obviously going to sell at the deadline. Now you are hearing that other teams are hearing from the Flyers. That might not be the case. The Flyers may have their sights set on trying to resign Nick Sealer. Kevin Kurz reported before the game. I assume I'm not going to say I know this because this is Kevin Kurz who reported it. So he's the one who did the background, the background research. He's the person who got a response. My assumption is this came directly from Nick Sealer's agent because basically Kurz reported that nothing has started in terms of talks yet. Obviously, it makes sense that the Flyers might be interested in exploring this, but they're not down the road yet. So to me, this is very much the Flyers have in their heads that they might be willing to re-sign Nick Sealer, and they are preparing other teams for the possibility that come March 8th, Nick Sealer might not be available because he might be on a brand new two- or three-year contract. My hope is that this is a tremendous negotiating uh, negotiation ploy and Danny Briere is like I don't know we kind of like him you want Nick Sealer it's going to cost a whole lot more in a third round pick it's possible you know it's uh, possible Nick Sealer has become under the tutelage of John Tortorella and Brad Shaw a solid defenseman he's playing in the top four uh, he's blocking 100 shots a night. He, he, I, he had like seven with 10 minutes left in the game tonight. I don't know how many he finished with, but sounds like a whole lot. Yeah, he finished with uh, eight tonight. Eight, eight right. block shots, um, including one that looked really painful. Yeah, it looked <laughs> like it got him like on the inside of the thigh or the ankle, somewhere yeah. where they're in a ton of padding. It looked like it hurt. Um, I like Nick Sealer. He's a nice success story. He has really turned himself into something. Good culture guy, tough as hell. He's going to be 31 in June. Considering what they've done with, we can name every defenseman on the team, really. Yeah. How bad do you really need to keep Nick Sealer? Now, again, I like him, and it's not the end of the world, because I got to believe like a dude who's going to be going into his age 31 season and his career high is 14 points in 77 games, and he's basically on pace for the same total this year, is going to get like... A mil, a mil and a half. This is not the end of the world yeah, cap-wise. I, I mean, I don't think... What we'll could get, you possibly pay him? I, I I would think, if I had to guess, I would project he gets somewhere in the twos. Twos. I mean, again, still not the end of the world. He's 775 right now. Uh, so he's basically like league minimum. I just... My biggest thing, it's not even like I want higher-end guys, which I do. I'm looking at Sanheim, signed forever. Drysdale signed for two more years after this year, and he's really freaking good. Yeah, and also, I mean, you want him to be part of your core. Yeah, you you just trade, you trade a cutter Gauthier for him. For him. Yeah. He better be part of the core, or you yeah. trade him for like another dude who's going to score you forty five goals or something. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Cam York, assuming he's part of the future as of this moment. Rasmus Ristolainen signed for a few more years. Sealer makes five, six play. And, and Zamula's <laughs> taken a step forward these last couple weeks. I thought he had another solid game tonight. Obviously, he was involved in that paling goal. That That's my big thing. Like, if they re-sign... And they have Andre, yeah. Bonk. Yeah. Like, where, if, if, what are if, we doing? If they re-sign Nick Sealer, I am not going to be, like, like railing and being like, this is the dumbest thing. This is such a stupid move. Like, I am not going to be railing against the way I railed against the Ristolainen trade and the Ristolainen re-signing. However, I do think this is a case... like. I always go back to the Risto thing as like the Risto line and trade, especially the Risto line and resigning was an example of a team approaching a situation with pre salary cap thinking where, you know what, when you could spend whatever you want it, like they like Risto because he hits and because he's like an old school type of guy. And if you could spend as much money as you want it, sure. You know what? Like 
overpay a third pair guy because he hits a ton. It's a luxury signing. You have the money. Who cares? But in a cap world, you have to make shrewd decisions to maximize the amount of talent you have on your roster because there's only so much money you can spend on guys. And that's why I hated that signing so much. With Sealer, it's kind of similar. Like, they they really like Nick Sealer. Nick Sealer, in so many ways, like, for hockey men, hockey men just fucking love the guy because he's tough, because he gets the most out of his talent, he blocks shots, he sticks up for teammates, he's a locker room guy. Like, you love people who are around the game, they fucking love Nick Sealer. He's everything that makes them feel good and warm and happy inside about being in the hockey game. They love it. And I get why you want to keep them. However, you brought up the key point here where you've got Sandheim signed long-term. Drysdale you just traded for. York is young and pretty darn good at least right now. Ristolainen is signed for more years, and I don't think they want to get rid of him either because Keith Jones freaking loves him. And he's been good. And he's been fine. He's overpaid, but he's fine. Igor Zamula is now establishing himself over these last few weeks as a guy who, like, maybe he is a good third-pair defenseman and solid power play two guy. That's five. Nick Sealer, if you sign him for a few more years, now you've got six. And yes, maybe with Nick Sealer, you could say, well, we sign him and then he can be our, like, six, seven. He doesn't have to play every night, which, like fair but also if you sign him that means you're probably overpaying a seven like if you sign nick sealer to a deal where he's got like a 2.5 million dollar year cap it for a five six that's a perfectly fine deal totally cool with that if he's your seven because you're like well we got to get emil andre in there and oliver bonk looks real good he's ready then suddenly you have an overpaid seven and you have an overpaid seven because you just you really wanted to have nick sealer because you love him And to me, this is an example of a situation where, like, it will be a hard decision. It will be hard to move on from Nick Sealer. But I think it's the right decision to move on from Nick Sealer. And I think the Flyers in this situation would be blinded by just how much they like Nick Sealer, the the style of player he is, and the person he is. And instead, you lock yourself into a situation where, how does Emil Andre get playing time? How does Oliver Bonk get playing time? Like where, like, where do these guys fit? Do you just have to wait for guys to get injured? Because I don't think they want to trade Risto, and then everybody else is pretty much locked in. Like, I just, I think this is a case of where does he fit, aside from the fact that you feel like you need a Nick Sealer. And the idea, like, all right, maybe we're overpaying a little bit for a 6-7, whatever. And, um, and, and, and Boost Wholesale just said he's been playing way better than a 7 you're right. Yeah, he has. Absolutely. But, but if he's on this team and you resign him, how does Emil Andre fit in? How does Oliver Bonk fit in? Like, like you need these guys. Otherwise, why the fuck do you have them? And that's like it. We've been told all along, like Danny Breer said to you, we've been told the coach has told us, listen, we know we're having success, <laughs> but we are still rebuilding. Resigning Nick Sealer smells a lot like a team that believes its own bullshit. Mm. Like, oh, no, actually, we are this good. And maybe they are, and even I, um, who am on the bandwagon, (laughs) am a little blind to it. But it's just like, man, you don't don't re-sign a 31-year-old on the year you admit you're rebuilding. And I, I hate to disparage the man who scored a goal tonight, but we saw them make this mistake maybe, ish, with Scott Lawton, yeah, where it's like, yeah. yo, he scored 18 goals. We got to keep him. It's fair. Culture and production. Fair point. Culture and production. And now it's like, okay, he's got four goals. Like, and you're not paying Scott Lawton for goals, it's, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's but not, like, he's not killing you. No. But there's also just an element where of do like, these other players play. Yeah. Like, where are you going to fit the guys that are supposedly part of this? That's my thing with Sealer is that I just feel like. I feel like you're getting you're getting blinded by all the things you like about him and you're not acknowledging that like you need some spots for these kids. Otherwise, how's this team? And again, maybe you're right. Maybe the Flyers are just a friggin' wagon and I and like all the guys who I think are just okay are actually great. Like I could be totally Possible. wrong. But like I don't look at this at this defense core that they have right now and say to myself, like, yeah, that looks like a Stanley Cup winning defense core. I'm sorry, I don't. No, it clearly doesn't. Uh, the other issue is just like, yeah, where like Sanheim. Yeah. He'd been in the league a while, but we all saw like, he's got 
another level to get to. Jamie Drysdale, so young, he has another level. Talk about resigning Owen Tippett. And it's like, right now, I'd give him this money, and then in a couple of years, it could be a steal. Right. At 31, Nick Sealer is what he is. Yes. Yeah. There's if no. Anything, if anything, he's only going to get yeah. worse. Like, there's like, no this, this next. Is, this is peak Nick Sealer. And if you sign him, he probably next year is worse. And then because the, uh, he's 32. Like, the idea that he might not be in the lineup every night. You know, he played 20 minutes and 21 seconds tonight. As long as John Tortorella was the coach, there could be no scratch yeah, in Nick Sealer. That's all. Listen, I, again, don't want to. I like him a lot. And like, if like, he was four years younger, this wouldn't even be a yeah. conversation. And, and, and if you want, do it. If you want to, like, we have monkey and chicken here saying Seal Aristo. Maybe. And and if the, if you <laughs> want it. if you want to sell me that the solution here is you, they re-sign Sealer and then they trade Ristolainen, then I'm much more on board with the idea of re-signing Sealer. But I don't think they're going to trade Ristolainen. I don't think they have any intention of trading Ristolainen. So it's not it's not picking between Sealer and Risto. It's picking Sealer and Risto versus Risto and then having a spot for an Emil Andre or an Oliver Bunk. I do wonder. If some of these conversations, and we'll never know until it happens or doesn't, if it's like, oh, you like Sealer? What if you had six foot six Nick Sealer? <laughs> How you like him? Like maybe it's trying to sell them on someone who makes a ton more and then he becomes your wrist. I'm just look, trying look, to. If, if, it's this, if this plays out. Yeah. And at the trade deadline, they make a couple really shrewd moves. Like, there is a scenario where I could be fine with them re-signing Nick Sealer, but it's not keeping everyone on the defense. Because defense is it. Yeah, like, well, we trade Walker because Drysdale is now Walker. But beyond that, like, Nick Sealer is just on the defense. Like, he is part of this defense because we think this defense is enough. I don't think this defense core is enough. Listen, the Flyers started this year with a resolution. It was to rebuild. I bet you, and they're having a little trouble with it. You know, should we maybe, uh, maybe we yeah. should transition? You might be having a little trouble with your New Year's resolutions as well. I know. Uh, I mean, yeah, January 15th, mine are out the window. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who can really help you with that? It's Factor Meal Kits. Get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for this new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal prep and planning and sets you up for success in this new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-created, dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kick start your resolutions forget frantic lunch preps and rush dinners factors two minute meals are your secret weapon in this new year fuel up fast with restaurant quality meals all delivered right to your door and factor now offers loads of snack options as well like they've got breakfast they've got smoothies juices snacks and more to keep you going throughout your daily schedule skip the overpriced takeout trap factor is cheaper and way more delicious than takeout get chef 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 created <laughs> restaurant quality meals delivered right to your door they're ready to heat and eat in just two minutes which means more time for you and if someone listen we'll maybe get to uh, i don't think we have it tonight but someone who spends a ton of money way more than they should on takeout what a uh what a great option to go the other way. Like, did I need wings? No, I should just have something that's actually good for me, <laughs> uh, cheaper, all of the above. Uh, and when things get hectic, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week with plans from four to eight meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime they are here to help you. Stress less over meal times in the new year. Factor's no prep, no mess meals, free up time, otherwise spent shopping, cooking, and cleanup. No more wasting time in the kitchen. Head to factormeals.com slash flyers50 and use code flyers50 to get 50% off. That's code flyers50 at factormeals.com slash flyers50 for 50% off. That was a long one. <laughs> but it was, I think it was informative for the people out there. You don't want to look like me. Go to Factor Meals. Hey, it's a new sponsor. It's, it is. Yeah. Uh, let's go to... Uh, the Carter Hart conversation. Okay. So in this new year, as I just said, like three different times, uh, he made four, he's made four starts in 2024 before tonight. He was two, two and with an eight ninety one save percentage, gave up 14 goals in those four games tonight. 
Uh, the goals may not have been great, but he ended up stopping 28 to 30 in route to the victory. That's a uh, win number 12 for him. He now pulls one win ahead of Samuel Erson in this uh, competition they have going on. <laughs> I said it right that time, didn't I? Erson? Erson? Erson. Erson? Erson. Erson. I'll, one of these days. <laughs> uh, it looks like the net is going to be pretty close to 50. I mean, if it's someone what, just goes nuts, maybe. It but like. It's going to be pretty close to 50-50, it looks like, at least for the time we're, being. We're in a 1A, 1B situation. We are. Uh, what did you think of Carter Hart tonight and going forward? Well, I, I mean, he probably stopped that second goal. I think he was fine. I, I, I think that there is... I'm seeing this a lot on social. And again, like Twitter influences my thinking because I'm on it. And we were the, the loudest people are the ones who are in my mentions. I just get the sense that a lot of people are turning on Carter Hart. And I don't quite think that's fair because while I think he can play better than he has, like, I think a lot of this is just the idea of familiarity breeds contempt. Shiny new like, toy. People yep. have seen Carter Hart for so long. They think they know what he is and what he isn't. And they don't know what Erson is. And Erson is now the shiny new toy that everyone's excited about. And he looks so much better in their minds than Hart because number one, NHL teams haven't figured out quite how to attack Sam Erson yet. But number two, fans haven't figured out how to attack Sam Harrison yet. So now they can dream on Harrison being this guy, whereas Hart is the guy they've watched for long enough. They've seen him. They've seen him at his best. They've also seen him at his worst. And they believe that they know what he is so that when he gives up a weak goal, like he did for the second goal of this game, it's, see, I told you he's not the guy, but Harrison is the guy because we haven't seen him make mistakes yet. When we know he will eventually make those mistakes because I do not think he is the second coming of Henrik Lundqvist. I think he is a good goalie. I do not think he is a superstar goalie. I think it is it is possible he's a superstar goalie. It is a possible outcome. I do not think it is the most likely outcome. And I think that Hart is taking a little bit more heat than he deserves to take right now because people are watching Arison and like the grass is always greener on the other side and Arison's grass that, that looks very green at the moment. I think Hart has been fine. I think Hart could be better. I would like to see him clean up some of the weak goals, but I think on the whole this season, Carter Hart has been fine. I know it always comes up and it's like, what can you really say about it? But just in terms of fans maybe turning on Hart or hedging their bets a little, like, oh, I was always Team Arison anyway. Yeah. How much do you think the Hockey Canada thing? Because it's definitely part in my I, mind. I think it plays into it. I think I'm like, well, we got Arison, so Well, I, I think you. that there is, there's two ways that that's having impact. Number one, it's having an impact because you could wake up the next day and Hart is gone. Like, he's just not a factor anymore because he was named in this and he's suspended. And also, even if he's not suspended, do you even really want him on your team anymore? There's that. So there's almost the feeling of like, you know, you might be thinking in your head, I'm not even depending on Hart, so having Arison solves that problem. Then there's the simple fact that I do think, and I I don't think this is necessarily fair to Hart, but I get it from the people who have who have made this thought in their mind, is that there are people that probably do feel legitimately uncomfortable rooting for Carter Hart right now, not knowing if he was involved in a really terrible thing. And I suspect that some of those people are finding it very easy to jump on the Arison bandwagon because in their heads, and I don't think, especially if it turns out, well, not especially, if it turns out that Hart was not at all involved in this whatsoever, it is very unfair to Hart that he is he is taking a hit from a popularity standpoint for something he didn't do. But I get why fans are hesitant to like give their, their heart in full to someone who may have been involved in something terrible. I get it, and I could see that playing into the fact that some people are going full Team Arison. I could see that being a part of it. As well as, we talked about this on Saturday, like the ceiling, like I could see it being like when Arison has his year, when he's on, he's a Vezina guy, and then he might have some downtimes mm -hmm. where Carter Hart just might be like, the 12th best goalie in hockey for his entire career. And I'm just looking at, it's a dumb thing. And the sample size is real small, but we're looking at like 28 career starts or something like 26 career starts and four career shutouts for Sam Harrison versus 216 career starts and six shutouts for Carter. Just like 
his ceiling seems to be very high. Whether he reaches, listen, we've been talking about guys' ceilings forever. I thought Ivan Provorov was the next Duncan Keith at one point. I was very wrong about that. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like, I, I understand why people might feel that way. And then the other thing on top of it, kind of, well, yeah, that's that's how we're feeling. I mean, but but the flip side of that, because you can you can look at it and you can say that, well, yeah, he has four shutouts in 28 games. He also has three games where he's given up five or more goals. So, you know, and I don't know. I don't know enough about Sam Harrison at the NHL level to know if that's him. But could it be possible that he is a high variance goalie where he could have he has these really great highs, but when he's not on, man, he friggin' sucks. I don't know. But if you're gonna if you're gonna say that well he has four shutouts in 28 games, you also have to say that well he's had three absolute disasters in 28 games too. No, he's got. There's a reason why he's, there's a reason why he has four shutouts and his career save percentage is like 908. Yes, uh, 906. There uh, we go. I, have, I, I just pulled that out of yes, my ass. It's you pretty did. close though. You nailed it. And like <laughs> it, he's got. Uh, according to a hockey reference, I always use the really bad starts because I like I just think that's a hilarious name for a statistic uh, starts with a save percentage below 85 percent four in those 28 starts. Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's a decent percentage. Yeah, like if, if, if you're going to give him credit for having yeah. a high shutout rate in, in 28 starts, you have to also ding him for having a high real bad start rate, too. All right, this show apparently time is absolutely flying tonight. We're at like an hour now. Hell yeah. Uh, so without further ado, we have a couple more things I want to get to, but none of them are more important than Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. Chuck, hit me with star number three. I will hit you with... Scott Lawton as star number three. I thought he had a good game. Obviously gets the goal, but I think to me, the big thing for Lawton, and this is also going to hold true for the guy who I will give my second star to, in the absence of Sean Couturier, someone like Scott Lawton has to step up. He has to. And I think he has. I think in this game, obviously he scores the goal. Yeah, it was off of a big rebound. Still got to finish though. And I thought Lawton gave the Flyers a lot of really good shifts in this game. I thought... All too often this season, Scott Lawton's lines have gotten obliterated at 5-on-5 in terms of shot and chance differential. Tonight, Scott Lawton, when he was on the ice, the Flyers controlled play, looking at his numbers, finished with a uh, 53.18% expected goals for percentage, a 58.33 Corsi for percentage. So the Flyers controlled play with him on the ice. He gets the goal. I thought he played an all-around strong game. So Scott Lawton is my third star of the night. Let's get... It's a star number two. Star number two is John Tortorella's favorite player, Morgan Frost. I thought Frost was great in this game. I, I know, you know, he actually finishes, and this is, again, speaks to what I'm saying about his favorite player. Guess who led the forward court in minutes tonight? Oh, my God. Morgan Frost. In the absence of... I mean, every Morgan Frost. In the absence of every coach's favorite player ever, Sean Couturier. Morgan Frost steps in and plays 18 minutes and 17 se- and seven seconds. Nobody uh, else played over 18. Yeah, that's a wow. But I thought the coach I, is loving this guy. I mean, I'm telling you, all he had to do was go in and yell at Torts, and now Torts loves him. Clearly, that's all. That's all he needed to do. This is he gonna, just needed to yell at him. This ends with him wearing the C, man. This is. I'm telling you, like Vinny LeCavalier and John Tortorella were enemies. And now they talk on the phone regularly. Do they? Yes. Has that actually been confirmed? Because they were enemies. Law, like they they never really buried the hatchet. My understanding of the Tampa thing was that the owner brought the two of them in and basically were like, "I'm not firing you. I'm not trading you. You might hate each other, but you better learn how to coexist because neither of you are going anywhere." I mean, they did. They yeah. did. They <laughs> like, won a cup out of it. <laughs> one dude's going to the hall. I mean, both are going to the hall of fame. They won a cup. No, it's I. It was one of the interviews I heard with former guys, and it was like, "Yeah, man, like they talk all the time." Apparently, like fair when Vinny has something going on in his life, he like calls up. Coach. That's cool. I didn't yeah. know that. But anyway, getting back to Morgan Frost. Yes. Not only the fact that he got a lot of minutes, I thought from the jump in this game, Morgan Frost had jump. He was everywhere. He was flying. The big, and we've talked about this over the last couple post games, the big thing that was a ding against Frost when he was a prospect was he may be a good skater, but he doesn't play with pace frequently enough. I thought in this game he was playing with pace from the very first shift. He was flying. He was showing speed. He was carrying the puck with aggressiveness, with confidence. He gets an assist, but to me, he played the kind of game that could have been a three-point night. I mean, that's this... Uh, we I said this earlier, but like this team's 
inability to finish. Like they kicked the shit out of the blues tonight. Yeah. yeah. And it ends up being now they get the empty netter to, you know, cover the one and a half. Thanks a lot. But like it, it, it's a one goal game. Yeah. That they could have won five nothing. Yeah. And it was just they don't have that high end finish. But they got the win. They got the win. So that's absolutely. all that matters. And two so points or two points. Absolutely. And let's finish it with Charlie O'Connor's first star of the game. Well, come on. And it's obviously Owen Tippett. I mean, and not even just because of the ridiculous goal, He's... which it was a ridiculous goal. Might be the best Flyers goal of the year so far. He goes through the defense and scores on a ridiculous roof backhander. It was an awesome play. The move was, yeah. I didn't know he had that in him. So good. And that's exactly what I want to see from him. Like, don't just score your goals by sniping it. Yeah. Go to the net. Be that power forward that you have the physical ability to be. He was doing that pretty much from the jump. Has 10 shots on goal in this one. 10. He had five after the first period, eight after two periods. He was just dominant. This was a game where Owen Tippett, especially in the absence of Sean Couturier, basically was like, I'm going to be the best player on the ice tonight. And he was the best player on the ice tonight. And he's the first star. I think this was this was as, as much of a no-brainer top, like, number one first star as, as you're going to see. It was um, obviously Owen Tippett. When we get, when you, when the team comes back and when you're around them again next, Charlie, I need to know if TK is charging him for his sticks. <laughs> That's something <laughs> I, I, I do want to get a little bit more detail on the stick thing. Because it's something the broadcast brought up, but I haven't had, because I obviously wasn't on this trip. I, I will say, you know what? The fact that I'm going to give a little shout out to someone who understandably has gotten a lot of hate over the last week. I would not be here for these three post games if Cutter Gauthier did not force his way out of Philadelphia because my original plan was I was going up and this was planned months in advance. So this is this had nothing to do with anything aside from the fact that I wanted to do a feature on Cutter Gauthier. I was planning to not go on this trip because I was going to be in Boston to watch two Cutter Gauthier games and hopefully interview him. And then I was going to go to London, Ontario and interview Denver Barkey and Oliver Bonk. Obviously, Cutter Gauthier forces his way out of Philadelphia, gets traded. I am not going to go up to Boston to interview Cutter Gauthier after that because he ain't going to talk to me. He clearly ain't talking to anybody Flyers related. So we ditched the trip. Had let me put it this way. Had I not had that trip planned that long in advance, I probably would have at least went on some of this trip. Instead, I'm here. I am doing the post game in studio for these three road games. They win all three road games. So you know what? Thank you, Cutter Gautier, for making it so I didn't have to go to Winnipeg and St. Louis. And that makes my life so much easier when <laughs> Charlie's here and I can like, all right, I got to set up one of these ad reads. I can let him talk so I can find it rather than just vamp while I'm scrolling like I have to do when you're at the Wells Fargo Center. So thank you, Cutter. Uh, not only did you give us Jamie Drysdale, you've uh, made my life much easier this <laughs> week. Uh, I don't want to... Yeah, I don't really care to do the Jamie Drysdale conversation tonight. We can do it later. Yeah. Like, I don't care about his durability right now. I'm he, the riding guy, The high. guy's sick. He's allowed to get sick. It happens. Allegedly. Bill. <laughs> I know. God. All right. Uh, before we wrap things up tonight, I got to tell you about Rocket Money. Uh, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with just a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped, has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. You're like, oh, just a few bucks here, a few bucks there for your subscription services. Yeah, it all adds up, man. It all adds up $720 a year on average. And if you are someone with just a couple of bucks, like think about what the high end of that must be to make the average 720. They're here to save you money. So stop wasting things on you. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. 
why. All right, Charlie, uh, do you have anything else you want to get to, or is that it for the night? No, I think we uh, we had a good post-game show. We were able I to... Uh, we, we, we were just... We were able to wash away some of the, like, bad vibes from the Eagles by talking about Who? the good Philadelphia sports team. The best team in the city won its fourth in a row tonight, and I think that's the most important thing that happened in all of Philadelphia sports. Uh, also, the Sixers won in a blowout today, so winter sports killing it. Yeah, fall sport over. All right, that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers, but remember, we are presented by our friends at Mortgage CS. Mortgage CS, that CS stands for Concierge Service. They are here for all of your home buying needs. That concierge man, like think about what that really means. Customer service is their number one priority, being there for you 24-7. And that's why Ben Stucker, he's not just here to answer like, oh, yeah, you hire them. You're looking to get a mortgage. You're going to go through a couple of, okay, we're going to go with Mortgage CS. No, he's here for you the entire process, beginning, middle, and end, all the way up until You've got the house. There you go. That's right. You've got the house. And you can call him anytime. Even if you're not trying to buy a house at this very minute, you can call or text Ben Stucker, the company's CEO, at 267-391-7425. I'm sure he's very angry about the Eagles. So if you just want to vent to someone, Yeah, Ben's I'm there. sure he'll have a lot to say <laughs> about what's been going on, whether it's with the Eagles or maybe he's just turning the page, looking ahead to the Flyers and looking ahead to the, uh, looking ahead to the Sixers. I'm, this is... What I do, I'm trying to bring up the thing I have to read oh, at the this, end. the disclaimer. And yeah. I lost it again. Somehow I do this every show. It's truly unbelievable. But yeah, Mortgage CS, whether you're right now trying to buy a home, down the line, you want to know what it takes in a couple of months, a couple of years, whatever, they are here for you to answer all of your questions. Uh, so when you, hear the word, when you hear the word mortgage, think of Mortgage CS. Think of Ben and his partner, Alex. Save Ben's telephone number, which I already gave you. You can also email him, ben at mortgagecs.com. Text him anytime. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to get started. This advertisement is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker. All loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions may apply. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. Visit mortgagecs.com for more information. Make sure you go mortgagecs.com slash PHLY so we get credit for it. Because I'm an egomaniac and constantly need credit. All right. That is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers tonight. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. You know where to find us right here on YouTube. Set those reminders. Never miss a live show. Follow us on Twitter at PHLY underscore Flyers. And, uh, oh, yeah, the podcast, PHLY Flyers, wherever you get those pods, you know what to do. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Go Flyers. Jeffrey Lurie, fire the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> All city.